Hello and welcome to the Science Fiction Book Review Podcast. My name is Luke Burridge and this is the show where I review every single science fiction book that I read as I read it. There's no set schedule, it's just whenever I finish a book I do the review, stick it up here on the podcast feed for everyone to download and listen to. Joining me today, like normal, is Juliana. Say hello, Juliana. Hello, everyone. And today we're going to be talking about a book that I finished this week. Oh. Well, I finished it like two days ago. Nice. A much quicker book to get through than a book which I'm, again, if it's a book that I'm really enjoying, I just find myself listening to it a lot more uh you know oh, it seems obvious <laughs> yeah it does seem obvious doesn't it yeah you enjoy a book you read through it quicker it's like yeah a, some books are a page turner yeah and some books are like this like everything about this book is good high quality you know the writing is good yeah. the character is good yeah but why isn't it a page turner um that happens yeah it, the story just doesn't grab know. you um... yeah i think sometimes it something being a page turner or not isn't actually got anything to do with the quality of it of course because all these like you know some trashy novels will be a page turner. Like, oh, oh yeah, what's yeah, gonna yeah, happen yeah, what's yeah. gonna you know i care yeah. about it anyway so today i'm gonna be talking about um a book called venomous lump sucker by <laughs> ned bowman yeah and uh ned bowman i looked up on his wikipedia page is a british author who has written like seven or eight books mm-hmm. more um, I, it seems like most of them are kind of more literary books but here is he kind of branching out into near future dystopian um cyberpunkish uh, uh eco um i don't know cyberpunk. where's the end but, but, yeah whatever he's doing <laughs> science fiction okay. okay okay so he's written a science fiction book okay and it uh and it is uh, good enough that it won the Arthur C. Clarke Award for 2023. Okay. Which is an award which I don't pay that much attention to. Why not? Uh, I don't know. Just because it's... I mean, a, a war, I only pay attention to awards if they influence what I read or not. Does How that is that a w- award being given? Is that like a panel? Or is uh, it's like, it's or... like a British science fiction award. Okay. So... I mean, I could click on it. I could, I could do some Wikipediaing right now. Uh, but what's this one? Yeah, it. But also the because it's British and it's like it's it's science fiction but British. But it's often they want to they want always want to. Uh, it's it's a bit more literary science fiction. If okay. you know what I mean. Right. It's not pulpy stuff and it's not like just adventure stuff and it's not fantasy stuff. Uh, often it's kind of a little bit more like tricky or a little there's a, something a bit more to chew on in right. these books in these okay. Arthur Clarke Award books. So right. looking back. Station Eleven, Children of Time, uh, Rosewater, that's the Wormwood trilogy. Oh, yeah. Um, Venomous Lump Sucker, let's go back. Ancillary Justice. Yeah. Uh, Zoo City, The City in the City. Um, lots of city books here as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, some Richard K. Morgan, 13 there. You know, there's, there's, these go back quite a few years as well. And um, this is all uh, books by British authors. No, it's not books by British authors. It's books, It's a, but it's a British science fiction award. Right. Uh, it actually says here, the Arthur C. Clarke Award is a British award given for the best science fiction novel first published in the United Kingdom during the... Oh, so it's something that's published there. In the year previous. Oh, okay. Um, right. The award was established with a grant from Arthur C. Clarke and the first prize was awarded in 1987. Mm-hmm. The book is chosen by a panel of judges from British Science Fiction Association, ah. uh, the Science Fiction Foundation and a third organisation currently S.F. Crowsness. It is now administered by uh, the Seven Dip Foundation. So that's all you need to know about it. Okay, I good. didn't mean to do a side uh, no, bar in this. No, but I wanted to again, know. The books that are in here, some of them are well-known, some of them are less well-known. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a, an award that you get that will then, that can then 
propel you on to greater things. However, it is a panel of judges rather than a van-voted award. So yeah. the reason why we hear so much about the Hugo Awards and the Nebula Awards is that they're voted on by anybody who is part of those organizations. Yeah. Either you can just join up or you know, there's just loads of people there. Was This is a panel-awarded yes. one. So I often find with panel-awarded um, uh, prizes or awards like this it is a slightly higher level of quality or at least interest so it's not just sort of like they've got a big fan following so yep. let's vote for them yeah um but then also it's some stuff which will resonate a lot with the judges but might not with the, the yes. wider public yes you, know? you always have ups and up upside and downsides yeah. with the different voting systems yeah and that's why the hugos always resonate most with anyone yeah. it's because it's it's literally voted by it, anyone well it's it's literally <laughs> reflecting the resonance of the fan community yes so uh, yeah it's like so the arthur c clark award is like the opposite of the goodreads uh yeah, awards. It's, yeah it's the opposite of the goodreads <laughs> choice award although yeah. i think this was uh actually i can check it out now announcing the 2023 goodreads choice award winners so the number one uh science fiction book this year is by tj clune in the lives of puppets which to be honest don't think i've ever heard of nope me neither oh no i do i i have i have heard of it uh mix of fantasy and science fiction elements it's puppets it's like a, a pinocchio retelling but in like oh. androids and stuff okay um so yeah right but venomous lumpsucker is not on the list uh, is it on the list i can't see it I, I don't see it on the list yeah maybe because it came out last year and these are books that came out this year so that's always oh, the thing I with see. these awards oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. again a much much uh, deeper sidebar into awards than i was expecting i was just going to say i was going to mention literally <laughs> the thing i wanted to say is this won the rc Carlock award and uh the only reason i wanted to mention that is because it literally says no other awards it wasn't yeah. nominated for hugos or nebulas or anything like that right it's british science fiction and this is somebody who is uh again uh, who, it, it's it's satire it's political satire okay from the united kingdom how, how old is the uh the author i don't know are you wanting me now to click on more no, things no i thought you looked up the author and i thought i just you remember. i just wanted to check if it was british or not because this is like one of the most british books i've ever read and <laughs> i was like let me make sure that this is british and it was and he is and he is british yeah. um uh, oh he's actually not a goodreads author yet so anyway here's a picture of him i guess okay. i could click on ned bowman um yeah it's, it's so he was born in 1985 so he's the same age. age as you yes um so there we go okay cool and, and he's got a beard yes and yeah. and his parents are literary agents Millennial. or something like that yes <laughs> um okay <laughs> either way there's there's a form of uh if i look on my episode list here as well there's there's d different authors again I, I talk about these british authors and they all kind of they're kind of working in the same way yeah when you look at read this you can definitely tell the influence of these like british satire authors right and some comedy authors and stuff the comedy works really well and yeah i liked i very much enjoyed this book like douglas adams there's some douglas adams mm. in there there's that and but there's also just like you know the other again it's difficult to say like what was that there, there's a recent book that i um daniel rigby i reviewed a book by that isaac Steele and the forever man right. and i really enjoyed it and i thought it was a really good reading and there was sound of it like but again it relies on okay what we're doing now is political satire yeah. and i'm gonna do satire about welsh people and british people and people from the north and people from the south and then people from this country and people from that yeah. country and that's what this book is doing okay less so about people from uh just 
just the UK. Yeah. This is a very European book. In fact, okay. this is a very Baltic book, okay. weirdly enough. It's a very... Because, you know, the action starts in the Baltic Sea, out at sea. Yeah. Um, and then they... And then different places that they... Some of it goes... They go down to Rostock because that's one of the ports there. They yes. go over to Estonia. Yeah. And then they go to Finland and they're like... And we go into Kotka. And I was like, I went to Kotka this year. <laughs> like, I, you remember my flight. I had a delayed yeah. flight and in the end had to fly into Helsinki and drive yeah. to Kotka to join a ship. Yes. So I've been to Kotka and then I've done the drive that they do in here where they go to Kotka and uh, then they drive down to the south to the port area. And I was like, I did this trip. Like, this is a trip that I made yeah, this, this year. year. Going yeah. to this old Kotka, it's like this, you know, industrial city. Right. The only reason the ship went there is because, of course, it was on the itinerary. It was meant to be, go if you go from Tallinn, Estonia to Helsinki. Yeah. You normally cruises would go up to St. Petersburg in between, but yeah. the ships aren't going to St. Petersburg this year for various yes. reasons. Yes. So they just go like across to another Somewhere city. Somewhere else, please. Terrible cruise stop. Yeah. Because they were there in a, like an old industrial, like an industrial city on a Sunday. Like nothing's oh, open, nothing no. to do, nothing like to see. Worst. It's like, yeah, I guess you can go and see this castle and stuff. So I don't don't even know why the ship was going there. Well, I do know why the ship was well, going there. It's it, it had to find somewhere it was to go. Like some, we have we have a berth booked in Tallinn and then a berth booked to day later in in helsinki what do we do in between yeah go to kotka anyway and then they go to various other places in this you know around the baltic sea and yeah and it's just funny because it's a book set at sea and mm. they're like sailing between places and flying between places mm -hmm. and doing you know getting up to various stuff um the main one of the main characters is swiss uh, and the other one is australian okay. um, so there are two viewpoint characters yeah um so yeah, a lot of this post. Well, it's not. I wouldn't say post-apocalyptic, but it, it, there's obviously crashes have gone on. Okay. So there's this thing like called economic crisis, economic or crashes and political crises. Yeah. And so you have the hermit kingdom. So people come from the hermit. They're like, oh, these people are outcasts and you know refugees from the hermit kingdom, and they brought they're brought over here, but they're not allowed to. Uh, you know, they're not allowed to use the Finnish internet, so they're kept away from other people. <laughs> okay. And I was like, okay, the hermit kingdom. And I was, and as they were talking about it, it was like, oh, I know what this is. And then of course it's an audiobook, so you hear the accent. There's the Australian person speaking an Australian accent. Yeah. The um, Swiss person talking in like a generic European speaking English kind of accent. Oh, I have a question here. Is that, that then uh, in the audiobook multiple people? Or no, is no, no. One I'm just saying the, in the, different accents. Yeah, the narrator is just putting on different accents. Okay, okay. Um, and then they get to the Hermit Kingdom yeah. and it's all British people and you're like, oh, I see. The Hermit, <laughs> the United Kingdom, they had their Brexit. Yes. Um, they isolated and, themselves. And they isolated themselves and then they isolated themselves even more and then they isolated themselves even more until like no news is getting in and out of the United mm. Kingdom. That's the Hermit Kingdom. And then, but also something's happened similar in the United States. Oh, and they say mm, we don't talk. It's if it's like bad taste to talk about what 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 the United States is going through now. And okay. so, you, so you never you never know. And but this again, this has been played up lots of times before in different things where you, you know that like. But this is it's funny that there's this like extreme post Brexit going on yes. here. Um, and I've seen the same similar kind of thing talking about the United States where. Uh, in these books where like half of the country disappears but we yeah. don't talk about it and there's the other I can't remember what it was but there's the 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 shield or the canopy that the United States blocks itself off from space and I don't mm. know what they do but they have a technology which is you know these the the idea that like what would happen if they make themselves completely insular mm -hmm. and also like Jesus land I remember one book I can't remember who was doing the uh, oh I think that was actually Richard Morgan and in one of his books there's like Jesus there's the, the the divided states of America, which is the East Coast and West Coast, okay, and then yeah. you have Jesus Land, in the middle, which is the middle the part Bible of it. Belt. 
Yeah, yeah it's like the the, the, the Jesus okay, Land Bible so, Belt from so Texas up to whatever. Countries go towards the North Korean route. Or whatever. Like, again, it's it's not explained why. You know, it doesn't explain why. But again, because yeah. this is satire, yeah. it, n- not all of it has to make sense. Yes, And course. this is one of the tensions of satire mm. is that you need like what are you exploring here because it because satire like rigorous science fiction can't be purely satire and pure satire can't be rigorous science fiction yeah what so you have to be because of course you go well of course that would never happen but then you look around and go well no actually trump was uh, elected president and like i said in the in the book the this when i was reviewing this he yeah. like the um the author was trying to come up with the most dumb name for a social network and came up with the this yeah. And then Elon Musk renames Twitter to X. And you're like, that's worse. Like you, it, And that's the thing about satire is that it's difficult to keep ahead yeah, of, of the crazy, of the actual crazy, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's why it's really difficult to be a satirist yes. when Trump is in power or Brexit is happening. Because you're like, no, like this is so dumb. And you like make gifts of like, what is it? You know, Britain punching itself in the face. And you're like, yeah, but that is actually that's actually happening. Yes. And the people there, their lives are being screwed up. Not everybody got out and got dual citizenship in Europe before Brexit happened and now a whole generation of people now can't just be like oh I just want to live in any one of 27 countries it's like nope you nope. just can't do that anymore you can't travel yep. you have to get visas we are now denying you this right yeah sort of like uh, like 31% or 33% of the population voted in a way and then the and the government in a self punch in the face kind of way is just punching it but again I don't want to get too much into that but that again that's what this book is about yeah and this is why it's difficult for me to give a book which is like so, uh, which is such a, I wouldn't say broad satire because you can be a very focused satire. But what is the sat? Like it's difficult to, with satire, it's like difficult to just accept the world. Yeah. And if if in the world you do, oh, okay, it needs to be like this. And and again, so much of like cyberpunk in this dystopia, like goes over into satire. Yeah. And satire is fine, but it, like the more satirical it is, like the less serious I can take it as a, an interesting story. Yeah. Because the characters often have to be caricatures, and the and the bad guys have to be like villainous, you know. Yes. Uh, and uh, in in ways which it's it doesn't need to be examined, but mm-hmm. you. But, like, are people really that villainous in the real world? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Well, we hope not. So the... Se- um, the, the okay, carry on. So uh, how much of this, like, in percentage or, like, I don't know if it pos- it is possible to say in percentage, but how would you say how much is this then science fiction and how much is satire? No, no. It, can, it's you all, di- can you dif- differentiate that at all? Um, this is a satire. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm getting messages. It's my mother's birthday today, and I'm now Aww, getting all family yeah. messages of other people wishing her happy, happy birthday, birthday. In, the, in the family Facebook group. Thanks for yes. a lot, mum. She doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, so, uh, so, so again, I'm not saying that it's not science fiction, and it's difficult to say a percentage of science fiction and satire because a book could be 90% science fiction and also 90% satire. Okay, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's it's a different scale, like so it's, it's a different ex- axis on the graph. What? Non-exclusive. It's not exclusive. But if I'm just saying that when something becomes so satirical, like the kind of rigorous exploration of world building 
breaks can break down a bit right because yes. you're like okay so if and this was like different things that were bubbling around like if the united kingdom is taking itself off the earth mm-hmm. like suddenly you're going okay so then english is less of, is that, that mean english is less of a, an important language yeah. or more of an important language yeah. but also if american is taken off um that's another thing mm-hmm. and actually at the beginning of the book there's this little forward or this little author's note which says, look, everything in this book, take it as read, except for the the numbers. I can't adjust for inflation. And if I do adjust for inflate, like possible future inflation, it'll make it too difficult to understand what's a lot of stuff. And loads of people get around this in the future just by just going, yeah. oh, this many space credits. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And people get around it talking about the past now yes. by saying adjusted for inflation, this would be $3 million. And you're like, okay, I know what $3 million means now. Yeah. $3 million years ago would have been, would now feel like a billion dollars yes. or whichever you know which however far back and forward so yeah. he pretty much just says we're going to do all the prices in euros yeah and that's it and i was like okay so euros does make sense because if the united states isn't a world power anymore mm-hmm. no, things won't be done in u.s dollars but yeah. then there seems to be a very american viewpoint like this american neoliberal viewpoint mm-hmm. and we were just talking about this before like the america can criticize the rest of the world and say no you're doing too authoritarian and too this and too that and they say oh so what should we do should we just give away all our power to corporations mm-hmm. is that what you want mm-hmm. and when all power is given away to corporations then you can say great now we'll start trading with you and now we'll respect yeah. your human rights yeah. records and yeah. stuff again and i don't also, want to get into that politics yeah and also why were you allowed to do that yes and now from your perspective now we are not allowed to go through the same process it's mm. a bit like you know teenagers growing up yeah and yeah doing saying like i want to make this dumb mistake yeah. even though the parents said look i made this dumb mistake don't do the same mistake i want to do my or own even mistakes. people going we want to mm-hmm. avoid the problems that america goes mm-hmm. through where all of politics is controlled by yeah. money and yeah. then america goes but there's not this kind of stuff it's like yeah okay but I and mean, you're not allowed to do this again, and, it, and i'm not apologizing for any regime or any authoritarian government i'm just saying it's this weird balance that yeah. in a book where the united states doesn't have any huge influence in the world the main influence still feels very american mm. so again it's that kind of like ah that what was that thought through or not yeah and it was kind of put into my brain right at the start when it's like all of the prices are going to be in euros and i was like why not dollars and then of course i realized oh this is a book set in europe so let's okay let's just go with euros that's no problem but then as it came through i was like yeah but why not dollars like it should shouldn't it be dollars like again this is just my brain ticking over and stuff so yeah 18 minutes in before we actually get to the point of the book okay the main satire of this is the idea of extinction credits okay in the same that okay so you want to do some economic development or industry or expansion or whatever you want to do yeah and you know that by doing this you will cause a species to go extinct Mm -hmm. does that mean you can't have unfettered uh Uh, like uh the idea being that uh why shouldn't you make something extinct Mm -hmm. it seems to be that humans aren't intrinsically uh uh, immune or we again it's difficult because this is what like large patches passages of the book is about yeah but like humans some humans really care about a species going extinct yes but other humans don't yeah. So how can we make the people who don't care about other species going extinct to care about species going extinct? Yeah. And the way that they do it is by charging people money yeah. if they cause 
a, a, a species to go extinct. Right. So it's like the CO2 certificate Don't give it trade. away. We can't just like, we can't just, but the point is that if you just go, it's like carbon credits. Yeah. It's not, no, you've no. got to put that all out your okay. head because again, no, it, is a, it is a satire on carbon credits. Like, yeah. oh, if, if we give people free credits, mm. they will be used mm. and it doesn't matter how, like the, the whole, and again, this is what the satire is. It's mm. saying, what if it wasn't carbon credits, but why, like, why is we're using oh we always use carbon yeah. as a proxy for global warming yes. and carbon for, pro, but uh, for a proxy but in the end if you think it through it yeah. is going so to be so it's saying okay let's not use mm. carbon credits let's yeah. go straight to the the point of it and yeah. use just say extinction credits yes and we'll cut out all of the oh this is a byproduct of the byproduct of a byproduct yeah. and this is a you know an externality of an externality an externality just going straight to that so yes of course it's a satire on carbon credits but also it's 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 examining it at that like four levels higher, and of course, extinction credits will never happen mm. because politically, it's not it, it isn't a way of doing it. But then the book goes through it, sort of like yes, of course, it would never happen. But here we are yeah. with the way that, that there's a whole system put in place there. If you want to cause a species to go extinct, yeah, it'll cost you um, forty thousand euros. Mm-hmm. But if it's an intelligent species or it's a species which looks like it's intelligent, it won't cost you that. It will cost you 13 extinction credits. Mm -hmm. So there you go. We've put a price on the extinction of uh, a species. Yeah. But we're but if we don't if we don't put a price on the extinction uh, all this people people like countries or corporations they'll just destroy habitat and yeah, those species will go extinct anyway. anyway. Yes. So if they're going to do it anyway, yeah. why don't we make it into a let them pay for it? A, yeah, get them kind to pay of. for it. But actually, they don't pay for it because we're going to give them a certain number of credits for free each year, mm-hmm. and then they're incentivized to not make their species go extinct in their territories or in their business oper- you know area of business. And that means they'll it, it'll be good. So of course they won't want to like fill in that hole because it'll cost them forty thousand mm. dollars. But when you actually think about it, it's sort of like well, it's going to cost them five million dollars to fill in the hole anyway. Mm. And so they go, ah, oh, there's a species of you know newt in there or beetle. Again, it's it's a lot about insects, you know, because most of the species that go like every hole in the ground has its own species of insects. So yeah. so okay, well, cost of doing business forty thousand dollars. Yeah, we'll pay that. Mm. And so this book is a like a deep exploration of all the ways that using something which is like blatantly an externality of business yeah. as a financial instrument is uh, all of the, not all of the ways but many of the ways that this can go wrong so every yeah. time that they go to a new place these these people who are traveling around trying to find the venomous lump sucker which I'll get onto in a minute which is not that important um <laughs> they they find another way that that if you put an actual price on an uh, on a business externality yeah. that all it does is become a financial instrument yeah. that can be traded that there can be futures markets that they can be bought and sold with and shorted and and longs and and yeah. prices go up and prices go down yeah. and that's what this book is is mostly about and it's a satire on all the evil corporations and countries and all this kind of stuff but it's but it actually isn't ever evil mm. like it never like there are some there is at the end like the big 
bad guy at the end is someone who is like, oh no, that is now just evil. But all the previous ways of doing it, it's sort of like, oh no, but we've just got to get on with life. You know, we can't like, and again, if you want to use carbon credits and stuff, it's like, yeah, but we can't just not drive somewhere on holiday. Like, oh, I have to fly for work. So of course I'm going to fly for work. And oh, well, but I feel good about it because I'm going to do the carbon offsets and things. And Mm. then the people who buy those carbon offsets, are they planting trees? Do trees actually capture carbon? Like, but trees are the sexy way of capturing carbon. But like, probably the better way of capturing carbon is by like, you know, uh, peat bogs or something but they're too difficult so let's just plant trees and all the trees die after a few years but we plant we get the credits back for planting the trees it doesn't matter if the trees survive or actually capture the cow you know if you, you know the, there's all yeah, of yeah. the thought processes that you can go through and all of the stuff that goes on in your life where you go i'm not evil it's like well how many cars do you have well i've got a car my wife's got a car and where do you fly oh we fly here and there but then the people who don't do that it's sort of like oh well i don't do that you sort of like, okay so where do you are get you your- then rich <laughs> yes, yeah, like, where did you get le- electricity? Do you order stuff from Amazon? Yeah. Like, w- do you care about the carbon footprint of... Like, and you can go down all these different things. And in the end, our society is set up in the way that, like, the, the vast, 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 vast majority, 99.999 recurring all the way down to whatever, are non-evil people. Mm. But the system is set up in a way that it's difficult to live. You know, what is it? Like, uh, ethical, you know, ethical consumption is impossible in a capitalistic society or whatever the different slogans are that yeah. you want to go to. Yeah. And that's what this book is about. Mm. Like, all it's like all of the ways that people can be... Uh, not tricked into it, but just they have they're in this you system. You have no choice. They have to live. Oh, have you? That, that's the question. Yeah, and, that, yes. and that, again, that's what a lot of this book yes. is about. And it's using yes. extinction as a stand-in for mm. climate and a stand-in for all the other different environmental justice and environmental issues. Yeah. And it's very good. Okay. I really enjoy a thorough examination of mechanism design. Yeah. And that's what is missing from so much science fiction. You know, it's always this thing. It's like, it doesn't make sense that Mm. this cyberpunk world exists Mm -hmm. and all these things and and everyone just seems to be doing things for like normal reasons. And I'm like, no, normal human reasons aren't the things that make the big science fiction things happen. Yes, that is true. It's messy. It has to be messy. Yeah, but the me- but then a price tag is put on the messiness yeah. and then people use the messiness as financial instruments and that's where the money comes from. Mm. Like and that's where the investment, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a so this is a book which is like again, like so many of these science fiction books and then we're going to trade and it's like, yeah, uh, what are you really like is it really just trade? And it's like, yes, trade is good. And you're like, but you're recreating in your science fiction book like the East India Company or like, you know, like, oh, it's a sailing ship, but they're not sailing ships, they're spaceships, so let's go. And I was like, yeah, but but the sailing ships was built on like empire building and, you know, piracy, but it wasn't called piracy. They were called like privateers or whatever, Mm. you know, all these different things. And these people would go out and it was, you know, discovering here and resource extraction. And you're like, but but in the the science fiction book, we're like, yes, but these are the good traders. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. What does that, what does that mean when yeah. you're kind of almost explicitly like setting up your book mm. as a play on what it was like to be a sailing captain in you know in the 19th century or whatever it is yeah. you know yeah and 
It's like unexamined. We just take this and use it. And it's totally fine for it to be places. unexamined. If actually what you want to do is just tell an escapist story about yeah. some traders in space or an escapist story about some space captain yeah. on, a, on a mission or something, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it's it's okay to ignore all of the actual details of and it, and to be honest, that's mostly boring. Like if this book was an actual examination of like, and now we're gonna do a science fiction book which is gonna be about extinction and carbon credits, and it's not a comedy satire it's like not oh, a can't, satire can't really work and you just be like well this is very dry and boring yes. and they're like well we're gonna have to have a space battle at the end it's like no but why would the space like they, they, <laughs> in then the incentive that you're setting on the book they wouldn't lead to space battles yes you know yeah so yes so it's a it's a, a very messy situation but by making it a very pointed satire mm -hmm. you can go okay so what would happen if this actually existed? Okay, so people would buy stocks in it and people would start trading it. And then what if someone, you know, wanted to short a stock? And then what if this did? And then what if somebody set up a way to save extinct, like species that were going extinct? Okay, so it would be profitable mm. to run a nature reserve mm. where you, like, would, like, people would, like... Oh, yeah. If you could yeah. save a species for yeah. less than $40,000 or $100,000 or whatever the extinction credits are yes. going there... Would you know? Would that be would that be worth it? Yes. And of course, they get. I'm giving away one of the like the thought experiment parts. So they go to this Estonian island, which is now a, a refuge for these different things. Mm. And they get there, and it's just like a, a a chemical wasteland, you know. And they're like, well, it turns out that this island was worth more for a, like we could just dispose of chemicals in these ponds. Um, because the money that we would get for disposing the the the, the chemicals would pay for the short-term loss of this species or this the loss of the species that was here. Okay. So it's not a nature reserve anymore. It's a toxic no. waste site. Oh, that's terrible. No, it's not terrible. It's a satire. Yeah. Yes. You can't yeah, be concerned is, about... But this is why you can't... Yes, I understand. But you understand no, what I'm I, saying? I totally like, understand. If but the short-term just... cost of disposing of these things outweighs the short-term cost of the extinction of a species yeah, but it isn't an extinction isn't short-term is no it, it? is short-term because because what we're going to do is we're going to sequence the the dna of these and put them on file and so they're just as real as the dodo or they're just as real as like dinosaurs like dinosaurs still contribute to the world we still enjoy dinosaurs don't we but they're they're extinct but we still have that they still they give us human value don't they why are extinct uh, like uh. things? Why are things that are extinct million years in the past? There, it doesn't matter if they go extinct, but things that are going extinct now do matter. Because we added to it. It wasn't that they just naturally disappeared. We put waste no, but stuff. Somewhere. There's been extinction events everywhere. Like, but so should we try and bring the dinosaurs back? But why just no, no, the no. big charismatic ones? Why but about why not all of the millions of species that are going extinct up until like humans evolved? Yeah, but that humans weren't involved in it. It doesn't. So, but were you involved in it? That's the thing. You put no. No, so, I don't know what what kind exactly. of. So my, again, I'm just I'm just talking about like the I different had... things that are going in the book. I'm being a devil's advocate here about like not all species should be kept from going extinct. Like I think, and this is actually my my thought process, like my actual thought process, not fully thought through. But I see all these, like so much money is spent on stopping these things or reintroducing these things and, and all that kind of stuff. There's that one channel that we like and they were talking about the, oh, we've got to save this musk ox species in Sweden. Was it mm. musk ox? Yes. Uh, or something. Um, and I looked and I was like, musk ox? 
I was like, and they're like endangered. There's only like 12 left in the wild in the whole of Sweden. And I was, and then I actually yeah. looked it up and I was like, well, that's bullshit. They're like literally on the endangered list of least concern. Like yeah. there is, there's no animal which is mm. less endangered than least concern. Like, because yes. just like any just because animal. because they're not in that particular region anymore. And it turns out they were artificially, they were more recently introduced, like in the 1950s or whatever yes. it was, introduced in Sweden. Yes, so they are going to go extinct in Sweden, but in Norway, they're fine. And in Greenland and, and Canada, Canada and and where like uh, in northern Russia, they're all over the place. They're like yes. least concerned. Like so, you never all of these different times of things. Like so, what what are we going to spend? Why are we spending all our money? It would mm. actually be better just to go there, round up them up, and then just release them. You know, sixty miles over the border with with the larger herd and the in more Norway. genetically yes. diverse herd over yeah. in Norway. Yeah. Job done. But of course, you can't do that because you're like, no. But these are this from the, the last ones left in the country, and I'm like, I don't care. And again, but this is my rationalizing i don't really care where the animal is as long as it still survives sometimes yes like the condors like was it the north american condors what they did is they just like they got all the condors they were going to go extinct so they're like there's 30 left in the wild we're going to bring them in yeah. we're going to do a breeding program and then we're going to release them and it turns out you release them and they, they've turned into seagulls because they're not afraid of humans anymore and now they're just like scavengers rather than like majestic thing and that's that's the thing like okay but so what does it save it like what yes. saving i'm doing my like yes. scare quotes here what does saving mean does it yeah. mean everyone lives in a zoo but they're not extinct yeah you know no like, i understand and there's but, all these different things like the end- where do we spend the time of course we're going to spend all of the time and money on the charismatic megafauna yeah. and that's what that's what the, the triggering event in this book is that the last panda died and right. China was like okay no more extinctions And but by the time it got through all the committees and the UN and all these other things it was like extinction credits yes so, um, but in the end if you think this through as well you can't then separate humans from this whole equation and if humans then die out if they go extinct humans go extinct well yeah no, but we're that's just the point. part of like we're just part of it no but that's the point is that like some things uh, and that's the point about this venomous lump sucker it's a fish which is uh, the idea being that they're they're a lump sucker which um which uh, cleans the insides of the mouths of bigger fish yes that's the idea yeah but also they're venomous. And you're like, well, why are they venomous if, they, if they're like this helper, parasitic, or what is it? Not parasitic, um, symbiotic yes. species. Yeah. With the idea being, and this is some fun leaps of logic here, <laughs> that if they're cleaning the mouth of another fish yeah. and the, the other fish just goes, boom, yeah. and eats, swallows them, yeah. what happens is that on the way down, this lump sucker will start biting the fish that swallows it. Yeah. And then, to get out. <laughs> and then they're intelligent enough that all the other fish... Notice that this fish has been has been um, uh, has eaten one of them, yeah. and then all of the other lump suckers around go and start biting the fish. <gasps> so it's like a it's like the you know the evolutionary signal back yes. up, yes. like back up to yes. say like you can if you eat one of us, yeah. we will now take revenge on you. So yes. that's what one of the character storyline is. Is it's, ah. it's an exploration of. Um, can, should nature be able to take revenge on humanity? Yeah. So in in a group effort, like in in the group, uh, yeah. how do you say like uh, punishment? As a punishment. So what yeah. she wants to do, she's like, this is it. This is the this is the species that we can find, mm. which can be like an exploration of of nature taking revenge on humans. Mm. Um, so that's that's her storyline. Let me bring up the the names. I I uh, uh, I brought it up here. Uh, it's uh, Karen Resaint 
uh, and Mark Hayland. Mm-hmm. So Karen is the one who is she. She she's is from st- Switzerland. She's from Switzerland, and she is someone who studies species and uh, tries to determine if they're intelligent or not. Because mm. if they're intelligent, you have to um, you have to uh, pay more credits. Right. Yes. So it's worth their, sometimes it's worth their while to pay her a hundred thousand dollars to then sign off on something. Oh, it's not intelligent. Great, and mm-hmm. it's like a paperwork kind of thing. She does a study for a few months, mm-hmm. and she can she can write off the fact that oh turns out not intelligent Mm -hmm. yeah where was that recently uh, there was something else where that happened i i remember something else where this kind of uh level of studying animals and then they're not intelligent Mm. i don't remember where that was but it was also a thing that like like to prove an animal wasn't intelligent yeah, yeah 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 yep and and then mark uh mark halyard um, is an Australian, um, and and it's uh, actually someone had said here. Uh, I'm just going to go down. I'm going to skip forward to where I look at other people's reviews, friends' yeah. reviews. Zivan rated it four stars. He says making the main asshole a bumbling Australian was a stroke of genius, especially in the audiobook. The accent makes him friendly and non-threatening, <laughs> even <laughs> yeah. though he is. Let's say not unthreatening and not unfriendly okay. and an asshole. Yeah. But again, because he's the point of view of the people. He's the one who works in the extinction industry. Right. Um, and he, oh, he now has, I understand the storyline. He works as yeah. a controller for a big mining, uh, you know, Baltic Sea mining corporation. Yeah. And it's his job to organize. It's his job to do all the credits and the, you know, he's working in the mm-hmm. uh, in the thing and doing the trading. And at the start, he realizes that, ah, I've been allotted these 13 credits if needed if the venomous lump sucker is intelligent or not Mm. and he's like well i'm only going to need one of these because it's a fish of course it's not intelligent and so uh so that's fine um uh, so I've got like 12 spare credits that I can now play on the extinction market stock exchange kind right. of thing, like yeah. on the open market. So he goes into, he starts like doing some shorting and futures and uh, mm. uh, this kind of thing. And so, but then something, I don't need to give it away, but something happens and suddenly he very much needs either. This to be intelligent? No. No? He either needs it not to be intelligent or he needs it to not be extinct. Oh, right, so yes. <laughs> what's happening is that uh, Karen is going around trying to find these the species yes. because she's got her project of using them to demonstrate uh, uh, demonstrate a, a way of, of that they can that they're a signal there's a sign of like an intelligent life. Mm. And he wants to make sure they're not extinct because it's really it's really important because he's got these credits which he doesn't really own anymore and he's having to wait for stuff and they're they're worth more. And that's why yesterday I was talking to you about what futures were and I was like, I don't want to get into the podcast, but I want to say that the futures market can include, or not just futures market, but you can short a stock, which means you can promise to sell something in the future at a certain price. Mm. And if the price goes down, it's great because you're going to make money. But if it doesn't, but buy- if the price goes up, you can lose, and there's an unlimited upside, or yes. there's an unlimited amount of money that it's possible for you to lose, depending on how high high the price goes. So something happens yes. in a way which makes the the price of extinction credits go up. You said you wouldn't go into it. Yes, but I, I wanted to explain to you yeah. yesterday, yes. so I don't have to do explain it all now. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I did get it. Yeah, okay. So yeah. now I don't have to go into the mechanisms of no. how futures and uh, sh- stock shorting Not goes. Not for me. Um, so, but that means this, this again, just to go back to this one example, they're like, and now here we are in a uh, in a thing that was a nature reserve, 
and now isn't a nature reserve. But if it was a nature reserve, extinction credits are now so expensive that this would have been amazing. It would have been really good. Mm. And so that's like a way of showing that short term, yeah, it was okay to make this uh, nature reserve into a mm. toxic waste dump. But now it would have been better for these species not to be extinct yeah, yeah. and for these not to yeah. be in a toxic waste dump and now we would be in roaring business so it's yes. that it's that playing off the short term short term money marketing yeah. versus the long term stability and long term you know long term investments yeah. paying off uh, that reminds me a bit of when some of the things that we keep watching about uh, cities and stuff oh, yeah, like yeah. where where people short term developments just put up the cheap yeah. blocks of flats and yeah. leave them make them make them look as bland as you can and, and invest as little money as yeah. possible but if you want to do it differently yeah. if you want to make it beautiful it, it might cost more in the short term yeah but only a but, little bit more in the short yeah. term yeah and then but in the long term it was dresden value, now the video that we're talking about on one side of the river all the development is now new developments which they've made to look historic to fit in with the historic mm. city center and the other side of the ri- things uh, the river all the development was done in East Germany in the 1960s. When you needed a lot of houses. And when they just needed houses and were putting up these housing blocks. And now, so that's the two different sides of the river. Like, do you want short-term cheap building like they did in East Germany? Or do you want to do now, oh, we want to make this a historic, thriving city centre again. So make it look beautiful and make it look nice and make it like have the transport connections and the shopping in there. I actually uh, got into that. I didn't see that video, but I watched the one where where they talked about this this, uh, Parisian suburb where it oh, yeah, was yeah, like yeah. really ugly really not pleasant well it's a similar kind of thing pretty much because that was one of the suburbs which was controlled by the French Communist Party throughout yeah. the 1970s and 80s, or 60s and 70s and 80s or whatever yeah so a similar kind of thing yeah. like um but yeah, that's the kind of thing. That, again, that's just one example. But like I say, this is a an audiobook which I will now look up which is yeah, 10 hours and 35 minutes mm. and I would say seven hours of that is like info dumping and explorations of these things and again that's what i really liked about it is that you have these two figures i wouldn't say on either side of the debate but debating these things between it Mm. and each time they visit a new place another um uh, you know uh the unbounded capitalism uh, controversy mm. or uh, and they each externality. Have their, both of them will have their stance and like their like side and with their their position yeah. in in a new situation. Yeah, and then they have to adjust it. I don't think this is a book for me. No, probably not. But they meet other people along the way and they get up to adventures. Mm. And there's some uh, ah, no need to go into it. But anyway, I haven't given away the personal journeys of these characters and why really why they're doing anything, because I think that is some really fascinating stuff. And I'd like other people to explore that and discover it for themselves okay. like i haven't given away so any of the motivations or these other kind of stuff or most of the explorations of this because again it would take me 10 hours to go <laughs> to go through that and do all the storytelling uh like i say the world building is very good um but again sat it's satire based world building which yeah. means it doesn't have to make full sense but if it if it's good to continue on with this exploration it's it's worth it if you yes know. that makes sense so uh so that's good and what else? I'm now going to look. I did all of that without looking at my notes. I'm now going to look at my notes. Hmm. Rigorous exploration of mechanism design, extinction credits, satire of neoliberal ideals and how they fuck up the world. Um, so uh, what did I put? say? Turkey. Oh, yeah. Again, and I, this is a, this is one like one another one of the examples. So in Turkey, they introduce a new species. Um, uh, they they. Uh, genetically engineer a new species mm-hmm. 
and then introduce it, mm. it's counted as something that they then don't make extinct. <laughs> so again, it's like if you can give if you get credit for not making something extinct. Hmm. genetically engineering a new species is a really great way of hmm. like not having to use your credits of like having spare credits mm-hmm. I mean, but they're not earning credits by doing it okay so so what is carbon capture if you plant a tree isn't that the same kind of thing planting new forests means that oh this is now worth something right okay uh, so then they count something as endangered because there's not many of them. But of course, there's not many of them because they literally just invented that species and introduced them. Hmm. And then they save it and then they can claim the credit back and then sell that credit under something else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes. What else do I want to say? Rostock, Estonia, Finland, Kotka visited this year. Brexit squared. I guess that's about the hermit kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's also on top of that, there's a fun like uh, like technology, like cyberpunk and biotech uh, science okay. fiction kinds of things yeah. as well. There's this there's this kind of drug called interdernal. And it's a drug that makes unsatisfying food satisfying or that you don't mind that you're eating shit food Mm. (laughs) and a lot of people like interdernal is really good because if all you can eat is like seaweed based um, stews or whatever eating interdernal just means that you're happy with it as well Um, okay well and also on top of that it's quite funny i wouldn't say hilariously funny yeah but it's it's good it's good funny and the writing what do you chuckle along i was chuckling along with this quite often and also the writing is really funny i wish i maybe there's a quotes page or something over here on goodreads and i could find some fun quotes is it down at the bottom here it's normally here six quotes um oh that they're too long quotes too many quotes but again i just want an example of a a quote which is uh which is just the fun writing and character stuff yeah. so he had a voice like a hug that goes on too long and in the context <laughs> that's that's really great it's like oh a voice like a hug that goes on too long and i just wrote that when i was sleepy one night so i'm not sure if that's a great example of good writing but i'm like oh, i've not heard that before but yet it p- perfectly <sighs> communicates what i needed to it's know a, it's about a feeling like that you have yeah it's it's a it's a way of describing something that if if you have experienced it before you know how it feels and then you know how this voice sounds that yeah. because it, it, it evokes that yeah, feeling it evokes oh, okay feeling. And yeah it's, that's uh, this really book clever. is full of really great um character work based on you know again it's satire so it's lots of stereotypes of people and what someone could be or what somebody couldn't be yeah um and yeah, and they got these other things like there's this uh, thing that changes your appearance, so you're not recognised by uh, uh, by computers as well. Right. It's called capture because it's like a, you know, like a uh, oh, if you're a robot, you don't recognise it or something yes. like that. So there's a, the disease which changes your face and things. There's there's a lot of good stuff in here, but again, a lot of that is very secondary to like, well, let's move the plot forward. And yeah. At one point, there's like a sex scene where you're like, okay, did we need that sex scene? It's like no, but it was a fun exploration of like what future tech sex might be. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, right so yeah uh, again just a good book good writing good not, characterization not too, long. not too long 10 hours a fun message like again and the, and the thing that i like most about it it's it feels like a a history lesson of what can go wrong with with financial instruments like business externalities which are then put in uh, made into financial instruments like carbon capture yeah and like a lot of these other things oh well if we just charge money it's like yeah but where does that money come from and who and who decides who how decides much? to charge it yes and then you for any of this to work there has to be business incentives for mm-hmm. any of this to work mm-hmm. there has to be a business incentive to make 
you know, that's what I was talking about, shorting stocks. There has to be some kind of financial incentive for people to value something less than it is now. Yeah. Otherwise, the market would never correct and stocks yeah. would always just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. There has to be a way to say, in the future, I think this should be worth less. Mm. And other people to say, in the future, I think it should be worth more. Mm. But then the stock markets in the short term are a, what is it, in the short term? On the short term, they're a scale in the future there are betting thing. I can't remember what the things are like, but stock markets have two functions. One is to actually give the value and the other one is to speculate on the value. Yeah. And when you get all of this kind of stuff going, you have like financial crashes and, you know, runs on markets and banks going under. Bubbles, blasting. Bubbles and pops bursting. and bursts yeah. and all yeah. these different kind of stuff. Mm. And you just go, and what if that happened? Mm. What if there was an extinction bubble and then an extinction bubble burst? Yeah. And, or maybe there isn't a bubble. Maybe this is just what it is yeah. now and we actually do care about this stuff. Uh, okay, so I I did ask you about the uh, amount of satire and uh, science fiction earlier. Yeah. Now I'm asking how much is this purely about explaining economics and how much is their story like... In the, like... I don't think it's I don't think it's explaining economics. Yeah. Again, this is a satire. It's exploration. It, because there isn't a moment in this where they say, ah, but like this is for extinctions. Mm. But what if this market would work for something that we actually, which actually is fungible, which mm. isn't non-fungible. Yeah. If you know what I mean? You can say, I mean, the only non-fungibility of it is if it's intelligent, it's 13 credits. And if it's not intelligent, it's one credit. Mm. But then one species over here is worth exactly the same amount of this other species mm. over here, mm. which works great on a silver market because silver is silver no matter what happens mm. but then when the silver market got too high people were melting down heirlooms and melting down coins like ancient coins mm. because it was worth more as just, as just a lump of something rather than as an heirloom and i yeah. know that because i just listened to an omnibus podcast because oh. but it was because i just read this finished this right. book and i was like right i need to i need to actually understand like these different markets so yeah yes. when markets manipulate in these ways yes it is possible that something is a good like it's good some things should there should be a market mm. and it's very helpful for farmers to know that at the end of the year their crops they can sell their crops at this price rather than this mm. whatever the price is you know mm. long-term fine but should that be for extinctions probably not should that be for carbon i don't as a person mm. i don't know mm. but it is a price that i can put on a flight that i can add you know like six euros or whatever it's going to be to carbon offset the flight that i mm -hmm. take is that good does mm. that help mm -hmm. it it's putting a price on something that maybe their price should be on it or shouldn't be on it. Yeah. It always feels to me that like, oh, we put a price on it and now, okay, so the people who can afford it can just damage the environment and the people who can't afford it yeah, don't. That's what happens. But that's what happens in every in every situation. Yes. You know, that's not just about the environment. That's not just about carbon, but mm. like by saying extinctions. Mm. But again, when satire gets far enough over, we get modest proposal and it's like, oh, what we should do. So we've got too many Irish babies and not enough food. Mm. What we should do is eat the Irish babies. And people go, yeah, I know that's true. But again, when satire, like by pushing satire over the line, mm. it's, you know, there's, again, it's I can't. demonstrating. I now can't think of any positive thing about eating Irish babies. But, oh. I'm just, but what I'm trying to say is that like this is, this is a satire. So it's yes. not doing the exploration of when markets are a good thing. Yeah. And I don't okay. believe all markets are necessarily a bad thing yeah. because I actually do think money is a really good stand-in for how much someone values something. Mm. It's not perfect, but there's a reason why it's been around for thousands of years 
and markets have existed for thousands of years, mm. which everybody doesn't go there and has to barter one thing for another. We're like, okay, let's have this abstract term called money, mm. and we're just going to assume, we're, everyone's just going to agree that this is worth this much. This is a value, yeah. And that's how humans work. Humans have evolved to be able to have abstract concepts of value. Yeah. But is it good that that abstract notions of value be attached to everything, including, you know, harmful business externalities? Yeah. If it's fine, you're like, all right, well, it's going to cost more to to fix this. It's going to cost more to fix this factory than this factory makes anyway. And it's in a it's in a holding company. It's like in a, uh, you know, subsidiary but then the subsidiary buys another thing and then you have Bhopal disaster and you're like, oh shit. And it's like, well, it would have cost more to, you know, all those mm -hmm. different, again, I can't think of all the examples off the top of my head. Yeah, then plenty, I'm sure. There, there, there is this balance between, you know, mm. regulation and financial markets. Mm. And one literally can't exist without the other. Yeah. Like, because one without the other, you either have extreme communism mm. or you have complete, you know, uh, what do you call it market liberalism yeah market liberalism and you know market anarchy over mm. this way you know mm. libertarian the market decides everything yeah so either when it, so there has to be this middle ground mm. and thankfully that's kind of what we have in europe at least mm -hmm. um and there's different scales of it going either way you can go more in one direction you can go more in the other mm. direction mm. where markets don't exist at all and it's purely government control you go also the other way where it's all markets and there's no government control mm. and this book is about is definitely about exploring one end of yeah, that yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, without and it's sort of and that's what a lot of these cyberpunk kind of dystopians go where just like well what if everyone gave up except for that far end of the spectrum mm -hmm. and like okay we can play in that space but it never really satisfies me because yeah. it always feels like those places exist in a world where humans aren't that way there mm -hmm. is always that push and pull humans don't want everything to be completely unregulated and corporations take over everything there there, there is always a bit of a pushback yeah just because in some places in the world right now it's too far at the end of the neoliberal scale mm. it doesn't mean that in the future we're gonna it's gonna swing back over when people start realizing other stuff mm. all these social mov mo movements go in this different ways you know yeah we're like in america you know uh, Barack Obama is elected. We've solved racism, and then, like a few years later, we're like, "Whoa, we're swinging all the way back over here, and we're having race riots again." So, yeah. like, well, we didn't see that one coming. I thought we were on the right direction. We were, yes. we elected a black president. I thought we were, everything was going to be solved, and he gets a Nobel Peace Prize, Peace Prize for something I don't realize what for. You know, hmm. and it, but things will swing backwards and forwards. Like swings, things will swing one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Same, I think that's same the... in for Brexit. I think that's uh, sometimes the issue with these uh, dystopian cyberpunkish books is that we always get to come in uh, at a the things have happened and yep. this is now the situation yeah believe it or not yeah uh, we don't we, we're not going to explain how we all got there we're just going to say okay this is now how we this is we got there somehow yeah and now there's always this disconnect yes like again the, you get, yeah. it's always like oh post-apocalypse that's really easy because we can just li there is literally a disconnect in yeah. this book they're like well we don't talk about what happened in america anymore and you're like yeah. okay that's fine like right. sure so yeah, that kind of can excuse a lot about it and they're like oh china's really powerful now and it's like mm. okay great and mm -hmm. so that also explains stuff going in the other direction you you're know? just saying that yeah yeah okay so what how what what do you say what, what's your rating Four stars. Four stars. It's, that's actually a pretty like average uh, rating here on Goodreads as well. When I uh, 
when I looked at this. Yeah, it's like 3.83 on yeah. average Goodreads rating. And when you look down community, resu- yeah, 40% of people give this book four stars. Four stars. Yeah, so, uh, it's a four star yeah, book. Yeah, it's a kind of four star. Uh-huh. It's not one that loads of people are giving five stars yeah. and loads of people are giving one stars. It's, yeah. it's a four star book. Okay, so it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's uh, interesting. There's then obviously not so, uh, you either love it or hate it, or it's like people agree that this is, yeah, yeah. It, it won an award. Yeah. For science fiction with a literary bent that's published in America uh, yeah. in the United States. That's fun. Sorry, not United States. So uh, any United any Kingdom. friends read it? Uh, Zivin. Yeah, said. Zivin rated it four stars. Yeah. And uh, and then someone here, Alice Bucher mussen gelesen werden. Was that all books must be read? Yes, alle Bücher müssen gelesen werden. Uh, and and a little review in German. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not going to bother reading out five stars. So my my the two friends who I have on Goodreads who read this is four stars and five stars. Yeah. I, I agree with Zivin, uh, four stars. Okay, that's cool. All right, and uh, I think cool. we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, and what's the next? Well, what's I next? got the next Murderbot book from the from the library. Oh, it's cool. like seven hours, so it's actually like novel length again. Mm. It's not novella because the pre- the first one was like three hours long, and then yeah. the, there's a few which are like two to three to yeah. four hours. But now they've done a big book. And so, yeah, I, might, uh, I mean, I started listening to it and I realized it's just not very good. Like, okay. the, like sentence to sentence, I don't think Martha Wells can write. And I'm coming straight off a of venomous lump sucker where every sentence is delightful. Mm. Of course, it, it's British humor writing. So yes. fair enough. No problem. Like, <laughs> it hits right the, the yeah, look like, spot. <laughs> it's interesting. Like British humor writing. I'm like, oh, like you mean what I grew up reading and what I grew up watching on television, yeah. if you know what I mean? And also uh, I travel a lot and I've been to these places. Yeah, yeah, I've been to those places. <laughs> and now I'm like, and it's sort of like generic, like Gen Z slang, like, oh, I totally did this. And like, it's suddenly very American, yeah. uh, like colloquial language. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. you like, went from oh, here so to in like the future, there. Everyone's going to just talk. Like like dog shit and you not dog shit. What I'm trying to say, like they're just everyone's just gonna like be like a bit rubbish at writing sentences. Mm, that's, or that's thinking what, that's thinking that's sentences. The I'm they're, guessing they're gonna just think sentences, and that's why you know I listened to that first hour of that Christopher Paolini book, mm. and I was like, oh, just not very good at writing sentences mm. in a delightful way. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because it's like a forty hour audio book, and you're like, okay, forty hour audio book. That's gonna be a lot of time to make sure every sentence is delightful. Yes, and and I'm like. Yeah, but these murder books, they're really short. It should be really easy just to go back through and like punch up some of those sentences. Mm. And I'm like 30 minutes into it and I haven't heard a single sentence which makes me go, oh, that's a nice sentence. Mm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually what I like about reading yes. and, or listening when yes. it's an audiobook is listening to a good performance of a good sentence. You're like, yeah, it's like artistic theatre, writing. It's like there's a skill to it. It's not just yep. like getting words out on the page. Yep. So. I say this as someone who started a murder book, murder bot book, and it's not a novella, so it doesn't mean that I only have to spend three hours with it. It's like seven hours. Yeah. And honestly, getting it for free as an audiobook from the library, I honestly might not make it through. Maybe this is why you got it surprisingly fast, because when we got the notification, hey, this yeah. is available now, uh, you clicked on it and then you had to verify your card. And then yeah. by the time you got to click, yes, I want this book, they were like, how many people yeah. ahead? Like six people ahead? Yeah, six people. And it, like three days later, everyone read it, maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and so I started it. And then it's sort of like, oh, and you remember these characters from the previous book? And they start listing these names. And I was like, oh, all the names of the people who were written so blandly. And I just didn't, like, I never actually managed to link a name to it. None of them had any characteristics which were strong enough for yeah. me to 
associate a name to them that would then stick to it. Like, so you'd have these people doing stuff and then you'd have this list of names and i was like i don't see like there's never been anything that has made me go oh that character has this attribute and that mm-hmm. that name is attached to it yeah you know like it's almost like the opposite of the adrian tchaikovsky books where the characters yeah are yeah, yeah. so individually carved out yeah that even now i would could remember back and yes of course remember them because they are so so specific yeah you say the yeah. name anyway i didn't mean that to be a mini review of that book i'm just warning people that if the next audiobook oh the next sorry the next sfbrp is might or might not be if it's not a murderbot book yeah uh, it might be because luke bailed on it yeah after well i i still i still put audiobook. my my reservation on the ebook as well let's see when that becomes yeah. available i mean i've got other i've got other books that i want to read which okay. i'll definitely which i'm definitely going to read because i'm interested actually interested in them rather than oh it's the next book that yeah. came out awesome okay that's it from us thanks a lot for listening and oh no become my friends on goodreads i like seeing that and check out the sfbrp listener group on goodreads yes and instagram and macedon you can find the links yes in the show notes thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time goodbye